Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. With a Monday night recap. Good game. Really good game last night. In fact, damn good game. Damn good game played by a couple of damn good teams. Primetime game that had a little bit of everything. Starting with the Buffalo Bills. They were looking to get into a tie for the best record in the AFC. They came into that game with a swagger, a vibe, like maybe they were the team to beat in the AFC. Titans, on the other hand, got off to a slow start, but they were looking to make it four wins in their last five. Like maybe you don't throw dirt on them just yet. Then you have Josh Allen throwing for three TDs, catching a two-point conversion. You have an attempted trick play off a punt return. You have Derrick Henry doing what only Derrick Henry can do. And you have A.J. Brown fighting through food poisoning and ending up with seven receptions for 91 yards. All right, so why don't we just stop there for a minute? Why don't we get that whole A.J. Brown thing out of the way? Because I know what some of you idiots are going to want to focus on. And it's just not worth it. It's not worth it, and I'm not doing it. And I'm just going to talk about it right now because, not because I want to, but because I need to get this out of the way. This is a preventative measure. This is a preemptive strike. This is me saying to you, don't do it. This is me saying, we ain't having it. This is me saying... I'm not about that life. This show is not about that thing. Yes, A.J. Brown was sick for roughly 48 hours leading up to the game. Yes, he needed an IV. And when asked about it afterwards, yes, this is what he said. I'm sorry, Chipotle, but uh, Chipotle got me. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Any chance at a sponsorship is now gone with A.J. Brown and Chipotle. That's ESPN. And you're not half as sorry as I am, my man. Sorry as you may think you are, you're not half as sorry as I am that you said that. Then you got Derrick Henry, right? Derrick Henry, fresh off running over the Bills, was running off jokes. Talking about all that stuff. I just made sure we had no toilet paper for him. <laughs> 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 no, I'm, just, uh, I'm, I'm glad he was able to come out and play, you know, despite, you know, having a little, a little sickness. You know, he, he pulled through the type of player he is, the type of person he is, and um, glad he was able to come out. <laughs> hey, Derek, what are you, a clone? Are you one of my listeners? Come on, Derek. You're one of the greatest running backs in NFL history. And you're all up in here making toilet paper jokes. You're better than that. At least I thought you were. Come on, man. You're not helping them. You're hurting them, Derek. Hey, let me tell the rest of you dope something, though. If you're looking to come in and chime in and pile on, don't. You see, if you accounted for more than 150 yards from scrimmage and three touchdowns in an NFL game last night, then you can make a joke about A.J. Brown's condition. If you did that. However, if you did not do that, you can't do that. So, here is the baseline. Here is the criteria for being able to make a joke about A.J. Brown's food poisoning and bathroom habits and how much toilet paper he ran through. 
You have to be able to do this in an NFL game in order to run your mouth about that. Tannehill under center. Derrick Henry, the lone setback. Henry gets the carry. Hole up the right side. Breaks the tackle at the 30. There he goes to the 40. Henry's off to the races. Nothing but green in front of him as he goes down the left sideline. 76 yards. The touchdown for Derrick Henry. Hello. Hello. You got a Derrick Henry in the backfield. Give him the football. Westwood won. All right, so if you can, in fact, do that in an NFL game, then you can, in fact, come in here and make jokes about H.A. Brown, the fast, casual restaurant the allegedly he went to, and the fact that he got food poisoning from known as the Great Equalizer. Is the Great Equalizer. All right. But if you cannot break off a 76-yard TD run in an NFL game, I am not interested in hearing from you about what AJ was dealing with if you can in fact hit 21.8 miles per hour in an NFL game as Derrick Henry did there then you can come in here with jokes but I know you can't because according to next gen stats 21.8 is the fastest speed by a ball carrier this entire season it's the fastest play of Henry's career as a ball carrier So, if you're Derrick Henry and you can rip off huge runs like that one, you can come in here with all your zingers about A.J. Brown. If you're that big and you're that fast, you can joke about pretty much anything you want. And the whole world will laugh because they're scared that you will get stiff-armed right into the center of the earth by the big fella. Except, I know that none of you listening are that big or that fast. Or you can't blow past your refrigerator, let alone one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL. So what I'm saying to you is this. If you're sitting there thinking up great jokes and one-liners about A.J. Brown, answer yourself this first. Can I steamroll an NFL defensive lineman and leave a cornerback in the dust? If the answer to both of those is yes, then you go ahead. You make whatever you joke you, any joke you want here, and I will go ahead and read it. And I will say it. And I'll retweet it. But know this, you can't, and it's tired. Man, I haven't even heard what you've had to say yet, and I already know it's tired. Because the joke has been made before. They've all been made before. There is not a single email, tweet, or phone call on this subject that you can make that I have not already heard 100 times. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to talk about the game. In fact, it means exactly that. Why don't we talk about the game? I'm not going to talk about burrito orders, chicken versus steak versus sofritas, or whether the guac is worth the extra charge. I am here to talk about the game because it actually was a damn good game. And the Titans, after getting blasted in week one, are right back in this thing. And the truth is, you're never out of it if you have Derrick Henry. Ask his coach, Mike Vrabel. We continue to, to, to jump on Derrick's back, and, and he's willing and, and able to carry us. It's something that, that you know that you have in your back pocket and uh, front pocket. We pull it out and we use it, and you know, it, just, it just gave us a big shot of life there. Right. And that big-time run, that monster run, completely changed the game. Tennessee couldn't even move the ball before that. 
They had 29 yards in three drives before that point. And then Henry goes Henry, and he flips the game on its head. When he's rolling, this team is dangerous. And you saw that last night. Because when Buffalo went to load the box and stop the run, then Ryan Tannehill would hit A.J. Brown over the top. Like, that monster run didn't just change that game. It may have changed... Tennessee's entire season lose that game then you're three and three and you're starting to fall back in the playoff race win that game and do it the way they did and then you're right back in it so we could talk about that we could talk about Buffalo we could talk about the Bills at the end of the game like this play from Josh Allen third and six Allen wants to run out of there Titans try to punch that ball out Allen will try to leap for the first the difference between escaping the pocket to the left as, as opposed to the right. Ruling on the field is that the runner is out of bounds with the ball half a yard short of the line to gain. It'll be fourth down at that Wow. Time. That's a massive call right there. All right, so I'm talking about the play on third down, which I thought was pretty badass and tough. And you see a play like that, and you understand why his teammates love him. Because that's a guy going all out. That's a guy doing anything he possibly can. That's a guy giving himself up to get that first down. But he came up just short. And if you want to talk about going all out, then you've got head coach Sean McDermott doing what he did on the next play on fourth. What a play this is. Fourth down and one from the three. Allen in the gun. Two receivers right now. He'll go under center and he will sneak and he falls short, I believe. He slipped as he tried to plant his foot and he falls short. This crowd is going nuts. As Josh Allen's sneak may have fallen short, and it has. Turnover on downs. Jerry Jeffrey Simmons, I mean, he blew this thing up at the line of scrimmage. Simmons it will, should get all the credit for that, that play. Hey, listen, easy to second-guess McDermott, but I, I'm not going to. Hell of a call by the coach. Even better stand by the Titans' defense. Massive stand by Tennessee. Huge guts by McDermott and a bigger play by the Titans. Like, I know people are going to want to second-guess that. And I just have to say, I, I mean, you can, but that was the right call. That was absolutely the right call. It just didn't work out. The safe play is the field goal, going to overtime. But you've got a tank and a stud for a quarterback. A guy who's gotten a first down 13 of the 14 times that he's attempted to sneak on fourth and one. You let it rip. May what? You did not, Alvy. Is that like a reflex? I go, you let it rip. I'm not talking about flatulence. I mean, are you kidding? I said you got a big studded quarterback. It's fourth and short. He's gotten a first down 13 times in 14 attempts on fourth and one. Let it rip. Thanks, Beavis. Hell, you're no better than Derrick Henry. And he's no better than the clones. <laughs> Good one, Alvin. <laughs> anyway. You take your shot fourth and one. I mean, maybe. Maybe you want to fake the sneak and then just toss it in the end zone. But I've got no problem with the coach going for that win in that situation. i got a problem with Alvin doing what he's doing when I say let it rip, but I've got no problem with the coach going for the win. It shows a ton of belief in your team, in your line, in your quarterback. And you should have a ton of belief in your team. you got to be asking yourself, 
I mean, are we really championship material? Well, if we are, then we can get a fourth and one when we have to have it to win a game. And by the way, even despite that loss, they're still a Super Bowl contender. I'm not going to make the argument that they're the team to beat right now in the AFC. It's hard to argue against the Ravens, but I don't think any less of Buffalo. The only thing that changed last night was that Derrick Henry carried Tennessee into that same neighborhood as well. So we could talk about Henry. We could talk about the Titans. We could talk about McDermott's call. But the one thing we're not going to talk about is the other thing. Unless you're Derrick Henry. So good win for Tennessee, but it did come at a cost. Julio Jones had to leave with a hamstring injury. Adam Schefter reported this morning that their first-round pick, Caleb Farley, tore his ACL. And maybe the biggest L of all was to the local Nashville Chipotle franchises. But just like A.J. Brown's inside parts, the Bills, too, will recover. They'll be fine. They'll be back. You, on the other hand, clones, you're still not creative. Not creative enough to make this funny. It's played. In other words, I don't want to hear how Henry running downhill with a full head of steam is the Rhea. And that all of us are Micah Hyde with zero chance. Diarrhea is the great equalizer. All right, I got to talk to you for a minute about my X chair. From the first moment I sat in my X chair, my body immediately said, ah, this is nice. This is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like. Like, I never actually looked forward to sitting in my office until I got my X chair. True story. Let me ask you, can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? My X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X chair can. It's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for X chair. I'm talking high performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort. Those are all the reasons I love my X chair and now I can't wait to be at work. Take my advice. Try X chair for yourself risk free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never ever want to go back. I know this. Go to xchairrome.com. That's the letter X chair, R O M E.com, or call 1 844 4X chair for $100 off your order. X chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. That's xchairrome.com, xchairrome.com. Jordan Ford is my guest. Jordan, really good to have you on. How are you? Uh, it means a lot having me on, man. I'm doing well. Jordan, it actually means a lot to me to have you on, so I'm glad we could do this. It's good to have you. So you played your high school ball in New Jersey. Let me start right there. How did it feel to go back home on Sunday, have an enormous game, and get a really nice win on the road? And it was amazing. I had so many people come out to the game or, you know, if they weren't able to come, just text me and tell me how proud they were of me. And um, I just felt so much support and love. It was good seeing my family also. Uh yeah, it was great. And to be able to come out of there with a win, 
So it was, it was just amazing. I can't ask for much more, honestly. I think that's cool. Not only to go there and to do that back home and to get a win, but to get a win on the road. And then on top of that, you get a 27-point win on the road when the opposing fans are booing as you dominate that game. After the first quarter, the offense and the defense explode in the second quarter. The offense put up 28. You guys kept forcing turnovers and punts. What changed in the second quarter? Um, I would just say we started executing better. Um, and finishing plays. I know the first few drives, uh, like in the first quarter, we uh, kind of gave up some plays on third down. Um, but then in that second quarter, we really started to lock in and execute like the way we, we know how and we know we should. Um, and that was the result of it, I think. We're talking to Jordan Fuller. So when you've got an offense and a defense and they're clicking like that together and you're feeding off of each other, how dangerous is this team overall? Man, when we're clicking, I feel like um, we have a chance to be anybody in this league. Um, we have the guys to do it. We have the culture. Um, guys are very team committed. You know, that's, that's what I love about the team. Um, coaches will give their all, too. So it's just um, when we're rolling, we're rolling. Talking to Jordan Four, hey, listen, there's no doubt you're going to respect whoever is on the other side, no matter what. But as defense, you had three picks. You had a fumble recovery. As a group, you're always going to look to turn the other guy over. But when you go into a game against a quarterback who's got a history of turnovers, maybe do you ramp it up even more? Um, I wouldn't say you ramp it up even more because we're, we're always searching for uh, those takeaways and stuff like that. Um, but we were just blessed to be able to have a couple more opportunities this past week. We're talking to Jordan Fuller. Listen, you were voted one of the team's captains before the start of the season. That's an incredibly high honor given that you had only played one year in the NFL. What does it mean to you to have that level of respect that you already have from your teammates? Man, it means everything. Honestly, it's hard to put it into words. Um, I mean, being a captain was definitely a goal of mine Like later in my career. Um, before it to happen this early, it's just such a blessing um, just a big shout out to my teammates. Like this, this is probably one of the biggest accomplishments I've like achieved in my whole life. So, I mean, I definitely don't take it lightly, and it's a huge responsibility. But um, yeah, much love to them because they made this all possible. I mean, Jordan, I think it's pretty amazing, actually. I want to lay this out so our listeners really understand. I mean, not only were you granted that, not only did you earn that, but just so people fully appreciate what you've accomplished so far, you were, again, the 199th pick in last year's draft. You and Tom Brady are famous for being selected at that same spot. A lot of guys who were drafted that late don't make the roster, and they definitely do not start as rookies, but you did both those things, and you did it during an offseason that was shaken up completely by the pandemic. I'm really curious, what was your mindset after the draft and then how were you able to establish yourself as quickly as you did um i would say motivation just from being doubted but also um i have people in my corner that have been through it before so um my brother he he went in the seventh round he was drafted by the falcons so i kind of knew what to expect knew the mindset to go in with just uh just compete every day and just really learn the playbook as best as i could because i didn't want um, any regrets after like any of the results that happened. I just wanted to give my all um, and let the chips fall where they may. Um, so, and yeah, that's what happened. So I was going to say, excuse me, were you looking to prove people right or were you looking to prove people wrong or maybe a little bit of both? I think it was both because everybody in my corner, um, they instill confidence in me. Um, they, they see, they've seen me do what I do. Um, they know how, what I bring to the table. 
um, and stuff like that, people who support me. But then just going through the draft, seeing a bunch of people get picked before me, um, it definitely didn't feel good. So that was just another driver. So I had people pushing me um, to be great, but also uh, some people I had to prove wrong too. So, um, so yeah, it, it was very gratifying. We're talking Jordan Ford. You kind of answered it, but I was going to say the front office was thrilled, needless to say, to be able to get you where they got you because they thought you'd be long gone by that pick. Your teammates talk about how confusing it was that you were not drafted earlier. So overall, what was that experience like for you, the draft experience? Um, Honestly, I think I got drafted later probably because I didn't run the 40 I should have run. Um, ran a lot slower than I should have. I think that, that kind of dropped me. Um, honestly, after that, I'm not really, really sure what it was. Um, I feel like I brought a lot to the table, but, um, I mean, God works in mysterious ways and put me in a position to, um, really flourish. I have a bunch of family out here in LA too. So, I mean, the transition was, uh, seamless, honestly. So it's, it's, it's really just a blessing. I have no... No regrets, and I love how everything panned out, honestly, at this point. Good for you. Jordan Ford joining us, not only that, but the team, the organization, they rave not only about your football acumen, but just the kind of person you are overall. For instance, Brian Hill, who scouted you for the Rams, is known for being a tough, tough grader in evaluations, but he had you as an NFL starter. He also said, and I quote, when I talked to his coaches after we drafted him, they were like, this kid is intrinsically motivated and he's going to excel at anything he does in life. I mean, Jordan is just, he's a better human being. End of quote. I mean, that's exceptionally high praise. Where does that come from? Um, I think I've just been around a lot of successful people in my life, so it starts with starts off with my mom and dad and then having an older brother four years older than me. Um, my uncle being Sinbad. Um, it's just, I, I've been around a lot of success and like it was put in my head that like you can't do big things like at a young age. So like why not give your all for it, you know? So I guess, I guess that's, that's really what it was. I mean, ever since, ever since I was little, like I was always giving my all, like whether it was, sprints in practice at the end like I remember third grade I remember I was I was crying my my um, my dad loves telling this story like I was crying at the end of this practice his coach had us keep running then he would blame it on whoever like oh Johnny wasn't running hard enough like we have to run again blah 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 then like after practice like I was crying to my my mom and dad and I was like nobody's running hard, as hard as me whatever I don't know it's just like at a young age I was just always like that I guess I get that. I'm sure. Dude, there's probably a million stories about, yeah, man, Jordan, he's like, this kid is so competitive. I know my kids, like, they played baseball, and whenever everybody had to run because there was one one guy that wasn't doing the work, my kids would be so pissed. They'd always come, dad, dad. I'm like, yeah, that's part of it. You're a team. Everybody's got to pull together. The thing also that I I love, Jordan, is you're a young guy. I don't know why we have to give people credit for reading, but I like that you read. There's a story that goes that you were getting ready for the draft. You read a book called A New Earth, Awakening to Life's Purpose or Your Life's Purpose. What was that book all about? What was your biggest takeaway from that book? Uh, Honestly, my biggest takeaway was just being present. There could be a lot of um, anxiety when you think about your future too much, uh, all the different variables that can happen. Um, and stuff like that, but like 
living life is about staying present, um, being around the people you love and enjoying the things you do and just putting everything into that, like, into this moment. And then I, I think that honestly helped me a lot. Like, cause, I mean, in the draft process, you have a bunch of people saying things about you, trying to evalu- evaluate you. You don't know where you're going to be in the future. You could be in 32 different cities, um, a lot of stuff like that. But it really just helped me put things into perspective and just, I mean, all I have is, like, right now. So why worry about that kind of stuff? And just uh, working on my relationship with God, too. That's really two big things. For sure. I love that, man. Exactly. Like, why why worry about things that may or may not happen? Why worry about things that you can't control? Why worry about all these things that are beyond anything at all? Like, the the fact that you understand that at an early age, I didn't figure that out. I'm still working on that, by the way, my man. But I I didn't didn't get that. It's a a constant constant battle, but um, it definitely put things into perspective. For sure. No, I get that. It is a constant battle, and it's a daily renewal, and you have to keep doing it over and over and over again. But the fact that you understand that at such an early age is really something. I'm really impressed with that. Let me ask you this, too. You had been a captain at Ohio State, so the leadership role is not new to you, but in the NFL, you're leading grown men with families. You're a part of a defense that's got guys that are going to go to the Hall of Fame, guys like Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. So how do you go about approaching that role at a young age? Uh, honestly, I feel like I was voted captain because I've been myself. So um, I don't feel like I need to change anything. I'm just, I'm just doing whatever is called of me in like every single moment. I feel like just whatever I feel like I need to do is that that's exactly what I do. So um, I wouldn't say it's a huge change. It's just um, it's just a big honor for me, and I don't take it lightly. Um, it kind of comes with being like the green dot on the defense and having to call the play. So that's, um, that's definitely been a change um, for the better, for sure, for me. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's just really fun, man. It's just, I'm just so blessed. I, I can't really say enough about my teammates, and they re- make it real easy on me, honestly. I love that, man. I love that response. I, I'm just doing what's on me in any moment. All right, so Sunday, you and the Lions. What are your early thoughts on that matchup and going against somebody who used to be a teammate? Um, well, I know they're a team that's better than their record. I know they've had some, a couple of heartbreaking losses that could have uh, gone either way. They have some talented players over there, um, a couple of players that I know for sure, and especially out of JG. You know, he's just a really talented player, gives us all for his teammates. And, um, I know we're going to get his best swing for sure um, on Sunday, so we definitely got to be ready for that one. Hey, John, really quickly, what's Matt Stafford been like in terms of a new guy coming in? And, you know, that's that's not as J.G. had to find out in Detroit. That's never an easy thing, right? So, like, Stafford, he comes in, he's a vet, he's had a lot of success individually in the league. What's he been like to have around, and what's it like to watch him work and lead? Man, he's been great. Um, he's super, super focused. His knowledge of the game is is actually very, very crazy. Um, it's really, really cool to see. But all with all that... Uh, just on top of being a good teammate and being really smart, he's just uh, he's just great to be around, honestly. And and he's just uh, obviously one of the more talented QBs in this league. Just one of the best arms. Um, he knows how to man- manipulate defenses with his eyes. Like as you guys have been able to see, he, he's throwing no look passes out there. It's just he's doing some special stuff. So I'm glad um, he's over there being one of those guys to lead the offense. Um, and hopefully it takes us a long way this year. I agree with you. I, I think he's been 
I think he's everything as advertised, if not more. And that's why you take that big swing and you make that deal. The Rams are 5-1. and one. They're in second in the division. They're at home Sunday against Detroit. Their safety, Jordan Fuller, is having a big, big year. Already a captain. Jordan, so glad you and I could come together and have that conversation. I couldn't be more impressed, man. Thank you very much, and great to have you on the show. Man, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, so let's talk some money for a minute. When you want to find great rates, organize your finances, or just make more intelligent money decisions, where do you go? Lending Tree. That's where, because LendingTree is here for you. With the LendingTree app, you can see all your bank accounts at a glance so you can better understand your spending and saving and build a budget that works for you. Plus, you can monitor your credit score, explore ways to improve your credit, and get automatic alerts to protect your identity. You starting to get a sense? Lending Tree can help you with a lot of different things. Lending Tree can help make sure that you're getting your best deal on loans, insurance, credit cards, and more through their wide network of banks and lenders. Also, Lending Tree gives you personalized tips and insights to help you save money and reach your financial dreams. So whether you want to pay off debt, buy a home, build credit, or just make things a little easier, Lending Tree has your back for all your short and long-term goals. There are no subscriptions, no fees, no hassle, just easy, honest, straightforward support to make the most of your money and achieve greater financial health. So download the free LendingTree app right now and get started and see why thousands of people turn to LendingTree every single day for smarter, easier finances. Terms and conditions may apply. NMLS number 1136. KJ Osborne is my guest KJ, good to have you on. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. Listen, lots to cover, so let me just get right into it. You had an incredible game-winning TD in overtime on Sunday. Why don't we start there? What was going through your head when you lined up on that play? I lined up, and I heard the call, obviously, and I just got my pre-step breathe. I'm just kind of trying to read my triangle with uh, the corner and the safety and the, the nickel that was over there. And... um you know, I seen that it could end up being one-on-one with the safety. And, uh, you know, I just I just ran my route. Um, I got open and Kurt, Kurt threw an excellent ball, uh, led me in the corner and uh, just executed. And it, was, and it was a great play, obviously, a great walk-off win. So uh, that felt really good. Yeah, man, I bet. I love the uh, explanation of that, too, and the execution. So you catch it, you get over the plane, you rip off your helmet, you throw it as a tribute to Stephon Diggs. I mean, when you said you get a great walk-off win, like, can you kind of describe to the layperson what's it feel like to go on the road and get a win like that in overtime and walk off? Oh, it feels it feels amazing. Uh, it's almost it's, I mean, it's almost similar to baseball, you know, just like the you know just like the walk off, you know, just just rounding the bases, hard fought win, man. Um, you know, so many ups and downs in that game, going back and forth, and you know, two point conversions and, and field goals, and you know, a bunch of different things um, happening in that game. You know, so it was a a good you know team win, but it feels awesome, you know, going into enemy territory. Um, there was a lot of Vikes fans there, which, you know, they traveled well, which is awesome, which is cool to see. Um, but, you know, it, it felt amazing, you know, to, to get out of there with the win and, uh, you know, a great way to set up our bye week. K.J. Osborne is joining us. So it's not only that play that you walked off on, but you also had a huge catch on third down earlier in the game. You received the game ball after the game. What did that honor mean to you? Um, that was huge, man. That was, that was really cool. Obviously, that was my first time, you know, experiencing something like that. Um, so, I, you know, that, that that was really cool to me. Um, I, that that meant a lot to me, you know. Um, that's, you know, just, just living out my dreams, man. Uh, that's what that's what kids dream of, and, you know, making those big-time plays. Um, you know, it's a, definitely a team effort. 
But, um, you know, it, that, that felt really good. We're talking to KJ Osborne. You hit on something right there that I wanted to ask you about because you're making plays, but you're making really big plays in really big moments. As an example, your head coach Mike Zimmer said afterwards, quote, when the game has been on the line, he's produced. I really believe that Kirk has a lot of confidence in him, end of quote. I mean, Mike Zimmer's not throwing that around now, right? That's not what he does. What's it mean then to hear that from your head coach and to know your veteran quarterback has got that kind of confidence in you in big moments like that? Again, man, that means that means everything. That's my first time hearing that. So, you know, that that made me smile. You know, I, I appreciate that uh, that that confidence and um, from Kurt and, and from Coach. You know, that was that was my main thing. That I was trying to do is, you know, come in and you know, uh, earn that confidence and that and that respect and dependability. Um, you know, from myself and my, so I can show that to my teammates, my coaches, to Kurt. You know, and I've I've been able to come up with those you know those big time plays and those moments. Um, you know, time and time again, you know, Kurt has drove us down there, you know, game after game after game. Um, you know, I just try to, you know, again, do my job. You know, um, it makes my job easier. You know, like Kurt's throwing great balls. The offensive line is protecting well. You know, I got, I got Justin and Adam out there, you know, getting open as well. Um, so it's, 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 been, it's been really great. And, um, you know, I appreciate that. And, again, I'll just kind of keep stacking days and, you know, uh, continue to develop that trust with Kurt. I like that. Keep stacking days. Minnesota Viking, KJ Osborne joining us. I think, though, even though we're talking about this, I think that I'm not really doing it justice. The, the point that I have to make, Dalvin Cook said this, quote, I love KJ for a lot of reasons. He just kept his head down. He believes, man. To see him work and take that wide receiver three spot behind two good guys. See, that that's a key point that we haven't gotten into. When there are two other great receivers on the roster, it would be easy to think, I might not get my chance. So how have you managed to stay locked in and focused and make sure you take advantage of every chance you do get? Um, just exactly, exactly what Dalvin said and what you, what you just said yourself. Um, you know, I know, you know, I'm playing with two superstar receivers, which is amazing. Um, I can't say enough about Adam Thielen. Um, I'm such, I'm so blessed to be able to be in a, in a locker room with him and, you know, sharing, sharing his knowledge with me. You know, I'm, I'm watching him, you know, all day, every day. Um, obviously Justin Jefferson is a special talent. Um, you know, me and him have been cool. We trained together for the combine and we end up getting drafted to the same team. You know, going through our rookie year together and going through this year, um, that's been amazing. You know, just just watching those guys, learning from them on the practice field. Um, but you know, we do. You know, our, the Vikings we do do. You know, three three uh, wide receiver sets. So you know, we'll do some two tight end sets. You know, obviously we have a fantastic running back down back there. But you know, there there's going to be a need of wide receiver three. And um, you know, I know you know if Justin and Adam you know are open or if they're getting double cover, you know, Kirk got to have somebody else to throw it to. So I know my opportunity is going to come. Um, and again, I just try to execute, go out there and run every route like I'm the number one read, you know, so if it's coming, I'm going to be ready. And um, I'm just ready for my opportunity. And uh, that's what I've been doing these last couple of games. And it just happened to be, you know, in these really big time moments. KJ Osborne, my guest. Listen, I, I can't imagine a better attitude for it. However, take me back to last season. I mean, this attitude's even more impressive when you consider, dude, you did not play a single offensive snap last year. What right. was last year like for you? It was different. Um, it was different. Obviously, you know, you're coming from, I'm coming from the U, you know, a big-time school. Um, you know, when you get drafted, you know, obviously you, you were in a way different position when you're, you're playing in college. So, you know, last year, you know, it was it was tough. Um, you know, definitely a, a learning experience. Um, but, you know, again, I didn't I didn't put my head down. You know, I, I played uh, some on special teams as a returner. Um, you know, didn't really feel like I, you know, put my best foot forward. You know, didn't display who I, who I truly was. Um 
And, you know, so this year, you know, I, I came back and um, I just continued to work. Last year, you know, I was on, I was on scout team um, and, I, and I worked my butt off. You know, I tried to give those guys a great look, you know, going against our, our first team corners every week and, you know, practicing as, you know, the opposite team number one receiver. You know, I didn't put my head down. I came to practice and I worked every day, you know, because I knew my opportunity would come. And, you know, um, when I see this in India, we, last time we played the Lions, and, uh, you know, ever since then, my offseason, you know, I've, I've kind of flipped the switch and, um, you know, ready to, to take, take what's mine. Dude, you get it. You absolutely get it. I was going to ask you about the offseason. I mean, it's one thing that when you're on the scout team last year and you're doing everything you possibly can, you're showing up every single day with the right mindset, the right energy, the right approach. I'm really curious about that offseason, though. How did you approach the offseason and prepare yourself to have the breakout year you're having? What types of things did you do and what kind of a mindset did you have? Uh, my mindset, I was, I was like, super focused. I, I was super focused. I had a lot of goals written down. Um, you know, my, my mindset was, you know, all right, you know, I'm in the NFL now. Now, you know, get over that and the, the cloud nine of being in the NFL. Right, like, what you going to do in the NFL? You know, like, all right, you made it now. Like, you know, now, now what you going to do? Can you stay there? Can you produce? Can you make plays? Um, and, and I worked my butt off. You know, that's something I've, I've always done. Um, and I got a little bit faster. Uh, I've been, a, I've always been a strong guy, so um, I didn't want to be too strong. So actually, I knocked off about five pounds uh, to help me move a little bit better. Um, I really focused on like my on-field stuff, you know, my techniques and, and route running, and um, you know, my football IQ. Uh, but my my mindset was laser focused. You know, whether that be my eating, sleeping, you know, playbook, film, um, you know, extra work, taking care of my body. Um, so we we came to OTAs, you know, I, I was locked in, ready. You know, I knew it would be a, a lot of competition for the receiver three job. And, um, you know, I just came and, again, just tried to take advantage of my opportunities. And, again, like I, I told you before, you know, I just tried to keep stacking days. Whether it's good days, bad days, you know, um, the, the next day, you know, forget the previous day and do it again and do it again. You know, just try to uh, create that consistency because that's what the, the, uh, the great ones do. So, that's what I just try to do, be where my feet are and keep stacking days. That was, that was my mindset. I love those two things, man. Be where your feet are and stack days. I got to ask then, if if you have that process and you've got that discipline and you've got that mindset, I mean, how many bad days do you really have? How often do you have a bad day? And what would you consider a bad day? Um, You know, so it's also saying that my, one of my boys say no bad days. Right. Uh, so it's like, it's like you can have a, a bad day, like as far as maybe a, performance you know I, I hold myself to a higher standard than, than any coach can or any player um so you know if this is maybe not a performance that I want or you know it's, it's something that you know I didn't I didn't go right you know I don't really let anything you know ruin my whole day you know um you know there's so many what so many seconds you've heard to quote so many seconds in a day you can't let 20 seconds or, or 10 seconds ruin your whole 24 hours so um I can't really say that you know I try not to, you know, obviously I am human. I try not to let, you know, some things just ruin my whole day, you know, maybe maybe moments. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I'm a, I'm a man of God. You know, I'm blessed, man. Um, I'm, I'm living my dream. Um, you know, I'm, I'm helping my mother out. You know, my sister and my family are able to come see my games, man. Um, many millions of kids would be blessed to, to be in my position and pray for it. So, um, at the end of the day, man, I'm blessed. So, I, I don't really let too much stuff get down on me because, uh, you know, this, this is what I pray for, you know. Again, it's going to be another 24 hours the next day, so uh, that's kind of how I try to keep a positive mindset. I love it. No bad days. All right, so what about the bye week? Now you've got yourself a bye week. I know you're going to get, you're not going to get too far off the path, but how do you spend the bye week? Right, I'm going to uh, take care of my body a little bit. I'll relax. I'm actually going to go down to, 
to Miami, watch the Canes play. Um, they're honoring the O one team this weekend, so there'll a lot of be be a lot of the legends there and alumni. Um, it's a it's a great brotherhood, so I'll be able to talk to talk to some of those guys. You know, go watch the Canes play, and then, you know, just kind of just kind of relax for a little bit. You know, I can probably uh, get ahead on some film. You know, uh, do some stuff around the house before I take off, but I just just relax and uh. You know, get ready to go because after this, you know, we got a, we got a tough stretch coming up. All right, so really quickly before you go, what about the brotherhood? It, it's these are challenging times right now for the program. But what's it mean to you to be a part of that brotherhood, the Kane Brotherhood? How do you explain the brotherhood for those who don't know? It's great. It's great, and I, I think it's you know one you know more than more than any other. You know, you hear people talk about it, but but you know um, when I was at, when I was at Miami, you know how many guys would would come back through there? Whether that be you know. Uh, Michael Irvin, Santana Moss, um, you know, Ed Reed comes through there, um, you know, Ancho Roll, like it's a it's a, a bunch of guys that, that come back and, you know, be able to speak to us, you know, uh, reach out to us after games. Um, you know, and it's really cool. It's it's really cool. And again, they're, they're a brotherhood, they're always reaching out, no matter how big of a name they are, you know, they you know, they're not scared to give you your number, tell me to call, you know, Reggie Wayne, uh, I I spoke to him a couple of times, um Tell you to call, you know, reach out to him if you got any questions. Um, shoot, I, I keep thinking of guys, Andre Johnson. Like it's, it's literally, they they tell you to reach out, talk to him. You know, it's a real brotherhood. They're not going to big time you or anything like that. You know, I was only there for one year, and they they treated me there like I was there for you know my whole five year of college. On both so, sides um, of the ball it's, it's, too, man. Like like yeah, Edge, it's, it's really cool. Edge, Jonathan Vilma. I mean, we we can go on man, forever. All these Vilma, names. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm literally every one of them. Like I can I can reach out to them talk to him and it's cool too you know you have a big game and you come back to your phone and i got to text from santana moss i'm like what well, first of all how do you get my number <laughs> second of all like this is cool you know what i'm saying so like it's 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 awesome uh the brotherhood is great you know people come down there and connect all the time and uh this is cool so i'm excited for that but one sap you want to talk about larger than life man sap yeah. was something else dude Definitely, definitely. All right, so I got one last thing for you. What about your dog, Larry, dude? For those who do not know, what kind of a dog is Larry? How's Larry doing? Larry is doing great. He is right here at my heels right now. I'm, I'm walking in circles. He keeps trying to bite my ankles. Uh, this, this is my guy, man. This is my, I have a little uh, English bulldog. He'll be one next month on 11-11. Um, he's, been, he's been great. and It's actually more than, more than I even you know could imagine. You know, last year, obviously, I was up here in Minnesota, and you know, I didn't know anybody, obviously. It was COVID, so I couldn't leave the house. So, you know, I was just up here by myself. And, you know, some of the times we get off early, we're done at 12 o'clock, and I'm just kind of just sitting in my house, you know, in the city where I don't know anybody. Um, we can't really go anywhere. And, you know, now that I have, like, a dog, you know, I didn't really know how much of an impact it, it kind of had on me. It kind of teaches me some, some different responsibilities, but it gave me some company. You know, it's always love. Like, you know, like you were talking about, if I have a good day, if I have a bad day, when I come home, you know, Larry wants to play. He wants to jump on me. He wants to lay on me. So um, it, it's been really good. Uh, again, give me some responsibility. But um, he's been he's been awesome. He, he's done good. That's yeah, unconditional love, man. That's what it's about. Always. KJ Osborne, our guest. KJ, great to have you on, man. That was fun. Really good conversation. Appreciate you, and great to have you on. Thanks for doing that. You as well. Thank you very much for having me. Clones, what do we do when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Let me answer that by telling you what we don't do. We don't reach for a bar or a sugary snack or an energy drink. No, we want beef, pure and simple. So where is the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Nope. 
Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein, and it comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. Old Trapper is in a clear view bag, so you can see the quality you're buying. So look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, Ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? All right, so tonight is game three. NLCS, the Dodgers do find themselves in a familiar position this postseason. They're confident still, but they're eating punches. Lots of them. Fist-to-face stuff. Over and over. I mean, this team's already played in three elimination games this postseason alone. And ask me, although this is not an elimination game per se, it is a must win. Got to have it. Again, not an elimination game, but you have to have it. You're down two games to none. You've got your ace going. You're at home. Of course, it's a must win game. Now, that said, no team that Dave Roberts is a part of is ever actually iced until the final bell rings. But I think that losing tonight and falling behind three games to none and losing at home with your ace is pretty much a good example of below not good. Below not good. So, Dodger fan, I know you're feeling pretty good about yourselves, but the fact of the matter is you got outclutched a couple of times. Game one, Austin Riley picking the Braves up. 2-2 game, bottom of the ninth. Riley lines right. Walk it off. All right, so I'm just kind of resetting this because we haven't spent a lot of time on it because of football over the weekend. But that was game one. Game two, Eddie Rosario, the hero. Eddie Rosario, three hits tonight against Kenley Jansen. And first ball swinging. Oh, and it gets through. And here comes the winning run. Swanson scores. And the Braves win again in their final at bat. Now, remember, the Dodgers have a number of key guys that are going to be free agents. That team is going to have a very different look next year than this year. And if you're the L.A. Dodgers and you have that payroll, then there's a sense of urgency every single year. Don't get me wrong. Not just because you've got like five key guys that may not be back next year, but really a sense of urgency right now. So two games in, you've got the Braves clutching up. Yeah, I know, Dodger fan, you're not sweating it. You're still confident. Some would say even arrogant. I know you're trying to spin that the Braves only held serve. They had to walk off twice in order to hold serve. That it's all going to change tonight once that series gets back to Chavez Ravine, a place where the Braves have lost 10 of their last 11. I get it. You also know you have the guy on the bump for you tonight. Well, You've got a few of the guys on your team, but this is the guy, Walker Bueller, an absolute horse, big game B. The last person the Braves want to see is this guy. You've all had enough of this guy's act, right? Am I right, Braves fan? NLCS, 
You remember that? Where he dominated your hitters. 11 innings, 13 Ks, one earned run. A dude who gets better on the bigger stage. When the lights are brighter, he's at his very best. And yes, this time he's got extra days worth of rest. So yeah, Dodger fan, I see where you might not be panicking. However, you have not clutched up when you've had to. And the Braves have. Thus far, through two games, you have not been able to get a hit when you've had to have it. Runners in scoring position through two games, the Dodgers are two for 18. Two for 18 with nine Ks. They were leaving guys on base against Frisco, and that didn't come back to bite them, but it is now. Two for 18 with nine Ks and guys on base. I hate to say it, but there's a word for that. There's a word to describe that kind of performance in the clutch, and that word is ass. Also, Dodger fan, if Walker, for whatever reason, cannot go deep, then you have to tax what is already a tax pen, and that could come back to bite you in the same ass. Now, I am a believer in these things evening out. I'm a believer in the laws of average when it comes to hitting. During the regular season, the Dodgers were second best in the NL in OPS with men in scoring position. You tend to think that they're going to come around and start performing better in that situation, in that position, unless they just start to squeeze it tighter and tighter and tighter. They are down two games to none. They know what it means to lose a third game in their own place. You got to get this game. And the fact is, if I were a Dodger fan, the thing that would concern me, there are going to be fewer opportunities to do so with Charlie Morton going for the Braves. All right? A gamer also working with extra days rest. One thing to go two for 18 with nine Ks. At least you had opportunities. I'm not sure how many opportunities you're going to get tonight. So, Dodger fan, fine, don't panic, but I'd be concerned. Man, these Braves are gritty. They're gritty, and they're tough as hell, and they're not intimidated, and they're playing really good ball right now. Yeah, I know, Dodger fan. Hey, Rome, this is not over. This is not over. This is never over with us. This is not Yeah, all right, Dodger fan, that's fine. And this is not coming from Dodger Jim. This is coming from somebody who's purely objective. Man, you have rope-a-doped enough. You better start throwing back, and you better start landing. And you better hope your big dude, big game dude, can bail you out and put you back in this series. But, 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 there's only so much aces can do. Someone want to pick up a bat. Somebody not named Mookie Betts want to pick up a bat and do something with it. Braves, Dodgers, game three. Who you got? I mentioned something earlier today, but if you look at the World Series odds right now, as they stand, the favorite is the Braves, plus 200. You know who the second choice is? The Red Sox, plus 250. You know who the third choice is? Dodgers, plus 280. Houston, currently plus 350. And if your next question is, Who does the big head have? He just hit the Dodgers. David Bell is my guest. David, it's great to have you on. How are you? 
I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good, good. Listen, I know you're thinking about Wisconsin, but before we get there, you're coming off that career game and that huge win over second-ranked Iowa. The program is down the top 25 for the first time in 14 years. Overall, how would you describe the mood around the team right now and on campus? Uh, so I have to go with on campus first. Uh, it's very energetic. You know, those, those fans are very proud of us. Uh, they were proud of us. When we came back from the flight from Iowa, the fans were actually waiting for us. Uh, we got off the plane, so just to see that type of love being shown from the fans really means not only a lot to me, but to the team also. And just for the team, you know, I think we live by the 48-hour rule. Uh, we, we celebrated, of course, on Saturday, and then Sunday we got got into it, but. Monday and, and today, we knew that we would have to come back to work to get ready for Wisconsin. We're talking to David Bell. Makes sense. All right, so if we were to go back, though, to that game in Iowa City, from the outside, it felt like you guys went into that game against Iowa expecting to beat them. Maybe you shocked some people outside the program, but how much confidence did you guys have going into that game? We had the most confidence going into the most confidence going into that game. Uh, we knew what type of defense that they were going to be in a lot, a lot of percentage of times, and you know, for the defensive side, for our defense, we knew that we'll be able to get turnovers and create havoc on the quarterback, and we just went out there and did that. So it wasn't a doubt in our mind that we'll, we'll come out Saturday and win against Iowa. We're talking to David Bell. Now, you yourself have had some big, big games against them. In fact, you averaged nearly 160 yards per game against them over the past two games, and you put up 240 on Saturday. What is it about Iowa or facing Iowa that brings out the best in you? I don't really think it has anything to do with that university specifically. I just think that uh, just those past two games that we played them, you know, coming from last year was the first game of the season after our season was getting canceled. So I was kind of more locked in in that first game. And then the opportunity that we had last week playing number two team in the country, I think if if you aren't locked in for that, then I don't think you should be playing football. And I just accepted the challenge, you know, knowing that they had some of the best DBs, uh, not only in the Big Ten, but in the nation, I knew that, that I will have to have a big-time game to lead us to the victory. David Bell is joining us. All right, so then you've got Aiden O'Connell. He threw for 375 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Right now, how would you describe the chemistry the two of you have on the field? The chemistry is amazing that we have on the field. This goes all the way back to my freshman year when I was here. I used to stay after in the summer and go over plays with Aiden. Uh, last year we had a tremendous connection. And even now, you know, even though he wasn't the starter, in the beginning of the season, we still had a connection. He would stay after and throw to me after almost every practice. And, you know, when he became a starter, we began to watch more film together. And that's, that's what I think uh, led us to have an even better connection on this previous Saturday. We're talking to David Bell. And then you've got O'Connell, right? He's one of the three quarterbacks who was used on Saturday, which was something that Jeff Brom worked up for the game. What did you make of that approach, and what's it been like playing for Jeff Brom? Uh, so my my thoughts on the approach, I think it was, it was amazing. You know, it, we knew that it would be a team effort, and we knew that we would have to have everyone uh, so we can be victorious on that day. So it was a great play calling from Coach Brown with using Aiden, Plummer, and then Burton, too, just to keep Iowa on their feet and make sure that they couldn't just key in on one guy. And playing for Coach Brown is amazing. You know, he's a phenomenal play caller. He's always puts us in the right situations to be successful. All right, so I'm curious, like after the game, you tweeted, quote, what we did today is why I came to Purdue. We were always capable of greatness. I love this team and family. We played hard, but we could not have gotten it done without the love of the fans. This one was for y'all. Thank you, Boiler Nation. I'm curious, what made you want to go to Purdue in the first place, and then how did it feel to feel all of that on Saturday? 
Uh, so the main reason why I chose to come to Purdue would have to be my grandmother. You know, many know that she's handicapped, and I knew that this would be the best way for her to be able to travel to the game. It's just an hour and 15 minutes away from my, my hometown. And another reason was I just wanted to change the narrative about Purdue University. Uh, it was very negative things before I committed here, but with the big win that they had against Ohio State the year before, uh, that team began, began to start to change, and I knew that if I would come here that I can have an immediate impact in changing myself also. I love that. I love everything about that. So let me ask you this. like You had that 48-hour rule, and you're on to the next thing, but when you're in a game like that or even 40 hours after that, we're talking about a game. Like You went on the road, and you blew out the second-ranked team in the country. It's a legendary game with legendary performances. That's the kind of game that people will talk about for years to come. I mean, do you realize that at this point, or do you just not allow yourself to think about that because you're on to Wisconsin? Uh, of course, I've thought about it, but I try not to think about it too much because we haven't beat Wisconsin since 2000-something. So I'm just trying to break that streak uh, by this upcoming Saturday. So I know that all my focus and all the team's focus is going to have to be in, on this upcoming game. So we're, we're not trying to think too much about the past. You know, in 10 years, we'll have hopefully a, a 10-year reunion and we'll be able to celebrate even more then. Talking to David Bell. So Drew Brees posted a pic of you on Instagram with the caption, Purdue, baby, David Bell, the most underrated player in college football. What did it feel like to see that? And do you feel like you're still underrated? Uh, it feels great that Drew gave me a shout-out like that. You know, he's obviously a Purdue great. And when you think of Purdue football, you think of Drew Brees, all the stuff that he, he's accomplished here at Purdue and also in the NFL with his time with the Saints. But, uh, you know, I think I, I still personally think I still am a little underrated, so I still have to work hard each and every day to prove myself, to prove that I'm one of the top receivers in the country. Hey, David, I'm curious. Like, your wide receivers coach said, quote, you're the most competitive young man that has ever stepped foot on the field for me, end quote. This guy's had a lot of players now. Where does that fire and that competitive spirit come from? Like, I, I always ask this of extremely motivated, competitive people. Are you wired for it? Were you always just like that? Or did you create that, manufacture that, conjure that up? I, I think I have to say just the way that I grew up, you know, seeing uh, what my mother had to do and what my grandparents had to do just so they were able to provide for us. And I think that that's kind of easy for me just seeing what they had to do that I can just translate it over to the field. Hmm. I think that a lot of people listening know this story, but some don't. Why do you wear the number three? Who do you honor with that number? So the reason I wear number three is for my friend that, that passed away a few years back named D. John Anderson due to gun violence. So what was he like as a teammate and a friend? Like, what was Dijon like? Dijon was a phenomenal teammate and even a better person uh, and a friend. You know, anytime you needed him, he'd call away about anything. He, he didn't ask for anything in return. He was just, you know, an upfront guy. He always kept it straight with you also. And then on the field, he was just relentless. Uh, anytime you needed a big play, we, we counted on him. Uh, he played multiple, multiple positions for us, played safety, DB, return kicks, and even occasionally, we asked him to come play office for us and get some passes. It's a great, great way for you to honor him. So before I let you go, you mentioned what it was like to grow up. You're from the far east side of Indianapolis. I know it means a lot to you to represent where you're from. What was life like for you growing up? What was it like to be there? Uh, it, it was actually fun. You know, of course, it, it had its ups and downs. But just growing up and being able to be around my family, is, it's definitely very family-oriented orient, over on that side of town. So, 
I just felt the love when I was growing up, and I'm just trying to give the love back with all the success that I have. I just don't want people to think that I forgot where I came from. Right. And let's not forget also, you played four years of basketball. What kind of a basketball player were you? <laughs> I was a pretty good basketball player. So I started varsity my freshman year and played uh, all four years, ended up winning the state championship my junior year, uh, going 32-0 and finishing the number two team in the country, I think, uh, behind modern day high school. So basketball was actually uh, my my first love. I started playing basketball when I, since I was three, but you know, I, I made a kind of a business decision when I entered into my freshman year in high school that uh, focused on football more than basketball. Modern days right down the street from where we are right here. So I'm really curious about that. Like you just said, 32-0 and state championship. You made it. You played varsity as a freshman, but you made that business decision. Like, did you like football better or were you better at football? Like what, what went into that business decision? Uh, so from about first to eighth grade, I think I liked basketball better. But I was better at football, but I, I realized and I, I started to fall in love with it more the the more I began to be around some of the players that Warren and some of the coaches that Warren and just seeing like the tradition that Warren had and seeing that all the grace that they had passed through and that's what made me fall into the love fall in love with the game even more. All right, so this has been a really good conversation. Leave me with a thought. You're getting ready for Wisconsin. What are your early thoughts on that matchup? It's definitely gonna be a tough matchup. You know, they have a phenomenal offense and also a phenomenal defense. I think they only give up 14 points a game, so we're going to have to come up, come out swinging, uh, definitely take care of the ball, and just no turnovers. I think that's going to be the key game. Whichever team has the least amount of turnovers, you're going to win the game ultimately. That is your Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week right there, coming off an enormous game in that win over number two Iowa wide receiver with Purdue, David Bell. David, really impressed with you, man. Thank you very, very much. Great to have you on the show. Good luck. Thank you, and I appreciate you for having me. Let's go to Philadelphia. J.D. in Philly. J.D., what do you make of this mess? What's up? Kim, look, this guy is a spoiled brat. We kept a mediator, a mediocre coach, Brett Brown, for several years beyond his expiration date because he had a relationship with Ben Simmons' family. He had the opportunity to be tutored by a guy named Herb McGee, winning a small college coach in history known as the shot doctor. He said no. If he was to take the court in Philadelphia, he would soon found out that the other guy who babied his way out of town, Carson Wentz, was less accurate with the football than we are throwing batteries and beers. So what we would like to do is to ship him, the bricklayer, to the brickyard at Indy where he can be with Mike at Indy who doesn't show up for the playoffs either. I'm out. My man, J.D. in Philly. <laughs> I love it. Let's go to Maine quickly. Christian in Maine. Christian, what's going on? What's up, Jimmy? I know you're. Uh, I know you're loyal somewhere deep in your soul because your father was born in Boston. My Red Sox are going to bring it tonight. They've been bringing the bat. They're bringing it like a broom switch at a Hope Solo family reunion, dude. We're going to come down. We're going to kick that crap out of everything. Boston Red Sox. Woo! Kiki Hernandez is the worst thing the Dodgers ever let go. Bye. Spoken from a guy who let Mookie Betts go. Good night.